and welcome to Relative Pitch, a podcast about music, culture, and society from a young perspective. Our initiative is to bring fresh new ideas to the music field. Here are your hosts, Lauren Green, Anthony Morris, and Michael Brown. All right, so Dr. Lake and Dr. Golden, how are both of you celebrating Black History Month this year? I find that it... I come from the, I feel like I come from the generation, I'm, what is it, I guess I'd be called like Gen X, is that the appropriate, I think, designation for my age group, that I continue each year that this occurs to do things in different ways, and I think for me the pandemic has not only helped me come to some realizations as to how I am fitting into the world as a black woman, black person, but how I celebrate myself and how I do things. So I don't, I don't know that I'm localizing anything to this month in particular, other than the idea that I am showing up and I'm being like exactly who I am as hard as I can be. And I'm just trying to, to have discussions and things that help move everybody forward so that we're moving from our current space to a space that is more like all of us want it to be which, you know, is not just a month project. It is a year round, every day, 365 or 66, 24 seven, unless you're sleeping kind of thing. So that that's just where I am. And if you ask me that in two weeks, I promise you I'll be in a different place. So, yeah. I mean, that's just how it is. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I think this celebration of Black History Month is evolving for me personally, um, you know, from grade school and even before, you know, raising up, being raised in a black church, you know, singing, lift up your voice and sing on the first Sunday and wearing the African attire for African attire Sunday. And, you know, having the doors decorated, you know, with all of these major uh, likenesses of our history um, that are extremely powerful. But I think I'm at a place with Black History Month where I am no longer celebrating the firsts. You know, the first black person to do this, the first black, you know, person to do that, because, you know, I think it, it makes it as if though there weren't other people striving for the same thing. And let's be honest, this whole idea of first, it's because of oppression. And when am I really celebrating? Oh, you broke through oppression. Like, I, I, I just, I'm just not really... Um, and I and it doesn't mean that I don't salute these these awesome icons. I just refuse to give it the energy of, oh wow, RS, you did it! You're the first black female conductor at Michigan State University. Like it's cool. I understand what that means historically, but um, there's still more work to be done. And 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 the fact that we have so many firsts still is not a space of celebration for me. It's actually a space of um, anger. Like it, it like I, I, it's, it's just, you know, even I, I'm the first black um, conductor within our performance area, performance director um, area. And it's just like, while there's an honor that comes with that in the history, I'm, I'm just still sparked and energized for like more change. You know, and and um, you know, thinking about uh, Madam Vice President Kamala Harris, 
Like, while, yes, this is a momentous situation, glass shattered everywhere. Um, however, let's not be fooled. It's the oppression that has made this impossible, not any deficiency of talent or intellect or, 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 or ability. Um, and so while I celebrate it, I'm, I'm in a weird space with it right now. It, me and Black History Month are having a problem. Um, and, and I'm not sure how I'm sorting it out. Yeah. I, some of the things that you just said was so both of you, um, I think we, we have had conversations before about that too, of why in 2021 are we still saying, wow, you're the first one to be doing this. And I think it definitely, it does infuriate us as, you know, a younger generation coming up because I know so many people that should be on that level and above, but because of the oppressive society that we're in, this will not um, let us be great, honestly. And um, that leads us to a lot more questions that we'll have for you um, later. But before we get to those good questions, um, both Dr. Golden and Dr. Lake, could you just introduce yourself to our audience? Um, Because I know a lot about you, but I want everyone else to know about you. So Dr. Golden, you can start first. Sure. So Dr. R.S. Golden, um, that's who I am. I'm also currently the Assistant Director of Bands and the Associate Director of the Spartan Marching Band here at Michigan State University. Uh, this is my third year here. Prior to that, I was on faculty at UNC Chapel Hill for two years as the Assistant Director of University Bands. Prior to that, I did my BMA here at Michigan State University. And then prior to that, from 1996 to 2000, the spring of 2014, I taught middle school band in the central area of North Carolina. The final place there being uh, Gravelly Hill Middle School, uh, which is in Eflin, North Carolina, right? Just outside of Hillsboro, a little bit from Greensboro. So just rural and nestled in like that space in North Carolina that everybody's familiar with, but not necessarily that little spot. And of course, prior to that, I did my, I did a degree at UNC Greensboro, master's music ed. I did my undergraduate degree at UNC Chapel Hill in political science and music education, which is another story for another day. Uh, and I'm a native North Carolinian. So until I moved here for graduate school at Michigan State, I grew up on the southeastern coast of North Carolina at the beach which hopefully as a retirement plan, I can make my way back to that same place because water, salt air make me happy. Uh, but as a kid grew up through um, piano lessons and started band in sixth grade and then always enjoyed it. And that that's just kind of who I am. It's one of those things that that's defining to me, but it's not necessarily the thing that I recognize now to be the thing that I do. So that's me. I'll hand off to Dr. Lake. Dr. William Lake Jr. Uh, I am from the eastern shore of Maryland, about 15 minutes from Harriet Tubman's birthplace uh, is where I'm uh, from. I started playing the piano at the age of two and um, by the age of four was actively playing in my uh, church and began private piano lessons, um, did elementary band. There's a cute story connected with that. I might save it because it might connect to a question a little bit later, um, possibly. Um, went to University of Maryland College Park for 
undergrad degree in jazz studies piano performance, um, a master's degree from Boston University in music education, a second master's degree from the University of Maryland College Park in wind conducting, and then my um, doctorate degree from the University of North Carolina at Greensboro in instrumental conducting. Uh, so uh, trombone is my band instrument, piano, pipe organ, Hammond organ, gospel. So I have a very fluid um, musical career and uh, it defines so much of who I am and how I hear music in the world and, and what I believe um, the, the purpose of music education and music performance is as a, a byproduct of culture and community. And so um, that sort of frames my history. I'm currently um, assist Associate Director of Bands at the Crane School of Music in SUNY Potsdam and an Assistant Professor of Music Education. So I, I take care of conducting courses. I conduct the, um, the Crane Concert Band, the Campus Community Band, secondary wind practices, teaching wind literature um, as well. Awesome. Um, so you both just mentioned that you are in higher ed. So what, what has that been like? What's been your experience with that? Well, I think I've been fortunate in, in many ways in that my positions have allowed me to do all sorts of things. So rather than just conducting bands in either place where I've been in higher ed, I've been allowed to really just use my entire skill set. So I do everything here from conduct the concert band, but also conduct the Spartans Wind Symphony, which is our uh, high school honor band that meets weekly uh, during the school year. Uh, but then I also get to teach intro to conducting. So I teach the very first class for music ed students in conducting. And then also teach the marching band methods class. That's another part of the undergraduate music education track. And it tracked. And then on top of that, I get to interact with graduate students and work with them on their ideas and develop anything from, you know, their interpretation of a piece to a presentation that they may end up doing at a major convention. So it's a lot, just a lot of things. And then on top of that, I get to do athletic bands. So I'm conducting Spartan Marching Man and instructing them. And I'm also doing Spartan Brass, which gets into the basketball part of the season and all of those things. And then I can produce I produce our Spartan Spectacular. So I just have all these opportunities to use pretty literally every part of my skill set. And I think all of those are kind of my favorite, but I also really just love being able to interact with future music educators and try to help them develop their sense of who they are and how they're going to be in the world when they get out into it. And that is like it was important before this current time in this country but beyond this time like the the impact of what we do and how we handle our future music educators is just immeasurable so i'm i'm really just love all that i get to do which is why i would put up with what i'm seeing outside my window in front of me which is snow all the snow and the temperature today is negative this is why michael brown is moving in his square because it's like negative four real feel over here. I'm sure over there's like negative double digits. So it's rewarding. Otherwise, I I just I kind of couldn't be here, but for so long. <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's it's so rewarding. Like my position is very very rich and full of opportunity. So I'll just 
kind of piggybacked on what Dr. Golden said, you know, um, the amount of influence on the future of the profession and the future of music and musicianship and music performance and music education, I'm finding that um, I, we can change that every day um, as far as what that experience is. And um, what I'm finding, especially now, um, you know, we've been knocking on these seeming, you know, closed doors of, you know, uh, integrating the curriculum and representation in the curriculum and, and the heightened awareness about the spaces that are void of inclusivity in our programming um, as far as what, what classes students experience, et cetera, um, I can change that. And I don't have to wait for anybody to, you know, come down with this edict on high that like, oh, now let's introduce, you know, these, no, I get to do it in real time. And I get to speak to situations and experiences that my students won't have because they are not in diverse spaces. Um, and so there's a level of responsibility that I don't know. Sometimes I, I, I'm like, okay, I'm okay doing it. Sometimes I'm like, no, somebody else <laughs> uh, preached this gospel. But I, I think it's critically important. And I am the change that's happening in curricula and in those spaces today. And um, there's such a responsibility, especially at the higher education level, that like I am training the people who will stand in front of elementary, middle school, high school students and can either open the doors of access or they can be closed um, to, to the various populations that are in their classroom. And so um, there's such a responsibility. Like I, 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 I feel like it's even outside of just music. It's really like, how do you relate in the world? Do you realize that it's your job to champion every single student in your classroom should feel seen, should feel heard, should feel appreciated, should feel to be an asset that who they are, you know, like, and, and really deconstructing the bias that's actually inside the room and being straight up about it, um, you know, and in a way that I don't think our curriculum, no one, you know, approached music education the way that at least I don't think that Dr. Golden or I now have to because we're realizing um, just the responsibility that we have to the profession in order to change it. Sometimes it feels like we're constantly setting dumpsters on fire and flipping tables over, but we've got to do it now because our pedagogy actually is a protest against all these norms, all these sort of uphill battles that we've been going against. And I, I realize more than ever that education and music education are part of the issues are part of the major reasons why we have the issues today i firmly believe that if we had a more inclusive music education experience our country would not be divided so we are here not because of socioeconomic systemic racism all these other things yeah we can push it on everyone else no 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 music education you have a responsibility and you have let down uh humanity and society 
in such a way that people aren't able to relate to each other because we can't hear each other because we're not able to appreciate each other's culture. I say a biased ear is only inches from a biased heart. So if I can't get inside your music and at least hear your voice, how can I ever relate to you as a person out on the streets, in public, you know, wherever? And so I'm looking at my job as literally being a protest um, and, and being very intentional with the images that my students see, the experiences that, like, there's, there's no secret. Like, I'm showing you R.S. Golden because you need to see black women in leadership, period. Like, done. And so, um, yeah, and she's visiting this semester. Like, it, and, I get, and I have the agency to do that. And so that's, that's what's exciting about higher education, that I actually can be the change that we need to see in the world. That, that was a lot to take in and like digest as you were talking about it. And it kind of leads to my next question. As y'all are shaping the next music educator, the next generation, and shaping the current education system as it is, how can all of us go about making music education more inclusive and more holistic in its approach and its conception? Dr. Golden's giving me the lean in, like, sir. So um, you may know the song, Check Yourself Before You Wreck Yourself. That's, that's where it starts. Like, we have to do so much with, um, the words are like decolonizing, but it's also checking our supremacy, checking our privilege, and regardless of who you are, like, even as a black man, I have certain privileges that Dr. Golden won't because I can add man to my intersections. And I need to be conscious that even when I get into certain spaces, it's my responsibility, responsibility to look left and right and see, do I see Sister Golden here as well represented? Do I see Sister Green here represented? And using my space of privilege in order to push through aggressively and invite others to the table. And so um, that's crucial. That's so, so big. Um, and I think as an educator, we have got to do the work with making our students deal with those subjects and deal with those spaces that we often have used as cuss words, like racism, has been treated as like a curse word. White, a curse word. Black, a curse word. But instead we'll use works of merit. We'll use all these other highfalutin sort of things and not realize what it's, what it's saying and what does it mean and what does it imply. Um, and so it's, it's, we have a lot of work to undo things. I'm still undoing things about what I taught was, I, I was taught. Um, and I think this happens anyway, you have to divorce your, men, your mentors. There's an aspect of your professional career where you're, you do have to sort of divorce them, right? They're no longer, you know, the, the sages of all understanding and you have to sit into a space with yourself. But that's not an easy space because it's everywhere. It's in your comprehensive exams. It's in your history classes. It's in your theory classes. And you'll mess around 
and end up hating yourself and not realize like, oh, like I'm denying myself in this space. And so um, there's a lot of internal work that has to be done because this is taught to us. Like the, 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 the bias is inside all of us. Um, the lack of trust that uh, black and brown people have for our white colleagues, it's inside of us. And even though we can say, oh, this is understandable, we've got to do the work. And so one thing that I'm doing is, is including these conversations about anti-racism and co-conspiratorship and allyship and what the difference between the two is. And like, how do I navigate these spaces where I want to be inclusive, but not tokenize and not culturally misappropriate. So like, these are topics that we have to um, navigate with our students and help them work inside themselves. Um, so that, that's, that's our responsibility. And there's no class that I took at all that's helping me teach to this right now. Um, and so it's, it's daring and it's very um, courageous. And to kind of tag on to what Dr. Lake was saying, I, the, the thing that I've come to understand is we all need to figure out how to just get comfortable being uncomfortable to work through these things. Because we're not going to be able to exist in our comfortable bubble and do what we've always done and have things move forward. That's just not how it's going to work. And that is incredibly difficult for a lot of people. So to a point, the more comfortable you are, perhaps the more you have to help your uncomfortable colleague, but it has to happen. And then on top of that, to tag onto the idea of bringing more people to the table and being aware of your setting. Dr. Lake said this, what was that on Friday? When you're looking out and if you just see yourself in the group that you're working with or the ensemble you're working with, that's a, an issue. So you've got to work to bring more people to the table who have more diversity in everything, background, thinking, color, attitudes, musical tastes, all of those things. But you cannot stop there either. You actually have to get to know these people and know where they're coming from and know where they've been so that their voices can be heard in the conversation and be committed to that. Because a lot of times I think we bring people to the table and we go, well, you're here. And it's like, well, okay, but that person may not eat any of the dishes on said table. What are we going to do about that? How are we, how are we going to make that better? And I think another step even from, and you, like the word demystify comes out of my mouth a, a lot right now. Something as basic as if you have a kid who's interested in moving through in higher ed and doing a music degree, what are you going to do to help that student understand the process? How are you going to demystify it for them? Because we all know sitting here, we made it through music degrees. So some of us probably have a clear understanding. Okay, well, I had to take the SAT, so that's done. And now I have to apply to college, and I'm going to send my application there, and I'm going to send my scores there. Oh, but wait, because I need to go to a college of music or a school of music, there's a second application I have to fill out. And then I have to submit either a video or an in-person interview. Or perhaps even the student should get in contact with a particular studio teacher that's their instrument that they're interested in all of these pieces people simply don't know so if you're going to bring people to the table get to know your people help them to understand the process help them to understand the system 
help them to see perhaps, you know, even in choosing repertoire for an audition, there's some options you have that are not necessarily listed. It's just, it's all a process. And, and as, as Dr. Lake said, we've all grown up through this. I mean, me longer than all of you, uh, we've grown up through the process. We're ingrained in the process. How can we ourselves work through what we have to work through and then take other people along the journey with us? Because if we don't do both those things, this is not going to go anywhere. It just won't. If I can add just real quick, it's just a word that I think we, I just want to make sure we just make sure we understand. And Dr. Golden is, I believe is talking about intentionality. Like, if I want a diverse space, I have to be intentional with it becoming a diverse space. It can't be in, you know, just a statement or something you throw up on a website, um, et cetera. Like we see a lot of uh, border, border, plate, like Black Lives Matter statements and diversity statements and diversity initiatives. But listen, there's work involved. And it's not easy work that has to be navigated. You know, we have to move beyond outreach and get to engagement. I'm engaging with you to ensure that you're successful. And so um, I've, I've grown tired of the organizations that I'm with that are moving too slow uh, to, to move on this. So I started my own. I, I just don't got time to wait. I, I, I just don't, like I, I'm not. Like in my mind, I'm 36. I don't know if I've got two years, 10 years, this pandemic's going on, don't know how long I got. So I've got to do the work now. And so my thing is, is that helping to do the things like Dr. Golden was saying, demystifying how do we get here and being an advocate and championing and, and finding the young Lauren or Michael, you know, and, and, and looking out and saying, no, I, I see you, you see me too. Let me help you get as far as I can go. And then once I get you to the end of like my capability, hopefully I can hand you on to somebody else. Not, I feel like I'm being a little bit soul Disney sort of thing, but like, that's just real. Like, that's my, that's my purpose. You know, um, let me take you as far as I can go and give you knowledge of all that I think I understand. And I'm being intentional. It's for black and brown people. And I don't care. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I'm, I'm being very intentional with my efforts in order to diversify music performance, music education, because there's so few of us on the inside that like, it's kind of hard on the outside to get to those people. I'm making it easy. No, you can find me right here on this day and with this contact information and let's talk about it. Let's have real conversations about it and let yeah. me celebrate who you are even before you enter this space like you know like you love uh uh, uh donna lawrence and 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 tri-city like yeah i do too like let's talk about that you know you love beyonce let's talk about that okay but you're trying to get down with bach and and Hindemith. okay i'm gonna show you where like you know where where are the cross connections because it's just music it's just sound and so um, I, I think that's just really crucial. Um, and, and I think that the 21st century musician desires to be this concept that I've been wrestling with, a fluid musician. And it's basically my life. 
I can go to the white Catholic church at 9 o'clock and get a check. To get in my car, go to the black Baptist church at 11 and get a check. And then someone can call me and say, hey, um, can you play for brunch and give us some little you know, background music at 12? Absolutely. I got an outfit for it. And then by 2 o'clock, someone's like, oh, my gosh, the conductor has taken sick. Can you conduct us through, like, Beethoven 9? I got you. Like, that to me is really what the 21st century musician is. And it's nothing new. Like, this is how life was done in the medieval times, you know? Or these kind of guilds where it's just like, okay, we got a gig. Well, let me bring my, like, recorder in C. Let me get this, whatever, what you need. Like, and I think that's what is missing from our curriculum, and the reason why it's been it's missing is because we have been so intentional about the supremacy in order to reserve space for this, and because we don't know that, so we don't teach that over there, mm -hmm. and so we uplift this over here, and that's that's what we have to get beyond. Wow, like just wow, because that is it, so much that have been absorbed and I'm going to go back and listen to this and just absorb even more but I just want to say like I think I would have loved to take y'all's classes when I was in undergrad because just hearing you all talk and about you know demystifying and, and intentional uh, that is what I feel like we because we talk about it that was missing from our undergrad we went but listen, and I, not to cut you I'm just now doing this. Hmm. Like, I don't, I don't want to make, I don't not want to perpetrate that I've been doing this since I entered the higher education spaces. No, I taught the way I was taught. Hmm. So I was teaching with these supremacist attitudes. And, and, I, and I'm using these words because a lot of people want to hide the violence behind what our curriculum has been. I'm not doing it anymore. It's racist and it's supremacist. I said what I said. Yes. I said what I said. Yes. And it is that way. And I, and I mean that because there's a problem when I spend ooh, gobs of money to go to school and I don't see myself reflected anywhere. Mm -mm. Like, that's a problem. Like, thank God I was a jazz musician starting off. And, and that's what also feels weird to me because I'm discovering how supremacist our curriculum is but i didn't discover it myself like in my journey i was already doing this like so i wasn't i wasn't looking to any of my institutions to affirm my blackness because i was getting that already mm -hmm. you know but i do think then how much easier would it have been to go through history and it wasn't that i was waiting until the almost the appendix before I saw myself reflected in my music history courses, because as Beyonce would say, to live without reflection for so long might make you wonder if you even exist. Mm -hmm. So I'm in history class and I don't see myself in any of these pages, you know, um, during my grad school work, I'm in all of this literature and I'm not hearing myself. I, I'm not hearing the sounds of, at any point in time that per, that like sort of, you know, Wakanda inside of me goes, wait, 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 you know? Like when you go to a restaurant and, and you order the collard greens and you take that first bite and you go, wait, wait, mm -hmm. 
who's in the kitchen? Mm-hmm. Like this, this, I, this tastes like home to me. Yeah. That that's so inspiring, and it gives you one space where, like, finally, I'm the expert. You know, we talk about culturally relevant teaching and pedagogy. That's what it is. Is that every now and then I get a taste of home. That make where everything isn't new every day. You know, thinking about our lives right now, it seems like every day of our lives is a new like moment in history. Mm-hmm. That's not comfortable. Like, make it stop. Like, I want one day where it's something not where it's not like a new historical moment because it's scary, right? <laughs> right. It is. So it is. that that's um that that's what I think we have to work to, and I'm trying to find ways to take the curriculum. And just like turn it on its head, you're still learning the same content, content, but it's through different voices. And I think part of the problem why this isn't happening is is that most of the people teaching this content only know it from those supremacist lens, or they only know it from this one cultural lens into this pedagogy. Like my conducting class, we have uh, we're going to do the third movement of I'm sorry, the third movement third third verse of Lift Up Your Voice and Sing, arranged by Roland Carter, the little prayer in the middle. We're going to do the opening of um, Sondheim's Into the Woods in order to talk about active, passive gestures and cueing. You know, all those I wishes that you got to throw at the right spot. Like, why is it that the only place for us to explore conducting is usually through the lens of four-part arrangements of classical literature written by dead white guys that just happen to be in public domain. So I get it, but like if if I'm going to wait till black music is in public domain, I'm going to be dead. <laughs> so the time is now, and I'm, I'm just not waiting for it. I'm just not. Yeah, um, and what you just said about finding your space. So when I was an undergrad, I was part of gospel choir for all of my time, and that was the one time where I felt I'm back home, I'm back in my good old Baptist church. I'm back singing the songs that my grandma, my mom, all of us, we sang and it felt like home. And so when you said that, that really rang with me because that was something I didn't feel like I am the only one here. We're all here. This is exactly what um, it feels great. And I do have a question Um, from your perspective. Uh, have you seen much progress for Black people in higher ed um, for both of you since you, you've all been through the bachelor's, the master's, the doctorate, and you're finally on the other side? Have you seen much progress since your time going through it? And uh, Dr. Godin, we'll go with you. I think, yeah. I mean, collectively, yes. Um, and you know, we could go on and talk for a very long time about what the reasons behind that may or may not be. But I do think that things have progressed. I do think that things can progress more. And I do think that quite honestly, you know, if you stop and think about it, by the time we're worrying about that in higher ed, like it's too late. So there are things that not only we need to do here in higher higher ed to be more diverse and to be more welcoming, that's got to start like in the elementary general music classroom. And a lot of the things that Dr. Lake's just talking about in terms of changing curriculum and changing approaches, it has to start there. Because if you think about it, the re- why, why perhaps do we not see more black people in higher ed? Well, because they haven't 
grown through the system in a ways that might support to, to there? Why do we not see more black composers, composers of color? Think about it. So while it's getting better, I, we've, there's still a ton more work to do and a lot more things we need to do to open things up, to make sure that we're encouraging anybody and everybody toward this direction, no matter what they look like, no matter where they're from. I mean, I just, I think, I think also people just need to realize you, not everybody's gonna be Dr. William Blake Jr. Not everybody's gonna walk in the room and flip over the table. That's not how, that's not what everybody's going to do. Like, I, I feel like I'm getting better with his encouragement at that and just like pushing the envelope, but every single person can do something. Like if you look at your lessons and there's like one or two lessons a week, you can change, then do that. And if it's uncomfortable, even better. It probably means you're doing the right thing or doing something that's going to be encouraging and more enriching for your students than perhaps what you're doing before. But yeah, progress, work to be done. Yes, there's, there's more work to be done than we'll probably get done in my lifetime. But we just have to keep digging at it. I agree. I'm just gonna add one small thing, like, and just, I'm just laughing at myself. Like, here we go, here we go. The progress, yes, I see it, but I'm not satisfied with it. I'm just not. Like, I don't want to give anyone the idea. William Lake Jr., you've got a doctorate degree. It's, it's that Black History Month thing, right? Like, you've got a doctorate degree, blackmail, et cetera. Be happy. No, I'm not. Like, I'm not happy until, like, you know, DMA students walk through from a conducting program and it looks like just a bag of Skittles. You got all kinds of sorts of people who are there. Um, I'm just not satisfied until everyone, and when I say I literally mean everyone, has the opportunity to use their God-given talents, drives, and ambitions in a way that somebody else is not standing in the way of them becoming what God has called them to be in their lives. Like that, that's, that's when I can, I can, you know, I guess relax or, or whatever, because, you know, I, I still look at it, you know, I just, even now, like when I can walk into a room and I'm walking in for a job and I'm walking in and I know that the room in front of me is going to display the diversity of the entire society that I live in, then I can sort of relax. But until then, I'm, I'm just relentless and I'm not, I don't want to for two seconds give anyone the idea that, oh, okay, now you're allowing black students to become doctoral students. Okay, yeah, but then here goes my questions. Are, are, what happens when they go on job, uh, on, on the job search? You know, like I think about in, in the conducting world, because of the fact that people want, you know, the, the, the conducting video as part of your application. So you're seeing me before I even come be able to be in, in the, and I, and I think about it all the time. Like, are those spaces that are doing these reviews, are, what's the bias in those spaces? You know, um, am, am I, am I, 
thrown out before I even get started because of the fact you see a black face, um, the trauma that you may have, you know, and it may be well positioned, but like, there's so many things behind it that like, I'm just not happy until people are out of the way. That's all, that's all I think black people of color want is just get out of my way. If I don't get there and I fail, let it be on me. Not because you stood in the way of me succeeding. And let me tell you, oh Lord, I think we think that people in higher ed have the best intentions of their colleagues and their students. That's not true. That's not true. So we have a lot of work to be done. The reason why our ensembles look the way that they look, it's because of the people. It's not the curriculum. We love to blame the curriculum. Oh, we've got to do things to to the curriculum. No, I want to change the people. That's big. That's so, so big. And, and, you know, once you get into higher ed, you then have to get tenure. That's another space where your peers have a say in your success in certain spaces. So like, yeah, diversity is great until Aris and I get on committees and begin to tell you what you're doing is racist and supremacist. Now, like Aris like said, you want people to come to the table, I'm gonna eat and I'm gonna talk to you while I'm there. Yes. Oh, oh my gosh. The the people. I think we we all because uh, Michael and Lauren are in uh, getting their masters, and I'm teaching right now. And I would say last year when I was interviewing for spots, I would look at the people that were doing the interview, and I'm like, I don't know if you're gonna give me the fairest chance based off of just what I look like. And that is, I think, something that all black people, black, brown, every color, we have that. That is always that thing in the back of our heads. And I remember me and Lauren, we spoke about this for like two hours one day at Buffalo Wild Wings. And it was like our last semester in undergrad. And we was just like, we're tired. We are so tired of this. We could be the best in the room, but we'll never get that fair shot. Can I I go here, though? And I'll shut up, I promise. Uh, And Dr. Golden, high five to you. What I I want you to understand is this. You were created with such unique aspects of what makes you black. Don't ever think that who you are, the way you speak, the way you talk, the way you wear your hair, the way that you hear music, the way that you exist in music is not something that should be appreciated, is appreciated, and don't think that you don't have space. Who can, Yes, there will be people who will not like you for who you are. They hated Jesus as well. But what I want you to understand is you were created perfectly in who you are. Your blackness is an asset. Mm-hmm. Being black is an asset. And, I, I, and I've worked really hard even within myself to realize in these white spaces no, boo, you need me here. Like, yeah, you need diversity here because there's things that I bring to the table that even if you tried, you can't do it 
the way that I do it. Michelle Obama has a swag that I don't think anybody but Michelle Obama can have. Barack Obama has a swag that I don't think anybody else, like, he, he just did it. And he does it in excellence. The way he's able to, he was able to bring people into the room, people that hated him just for who he was. There is a unique gift in your heritage that's handed down to you specifically that is an asset. Now, granted, many of our institutions haven't figured it out yet, and they are, they are dying a slow death. So I just want to encourage you all in this space. I don't went preachy. I'm sorry. I, I want to encourage you all in this space that no, 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 no. Like black is in and understand that. And don't you dare think for two seconds that it's not. Oh gosh. I just, so many things like I, that, like that, I needed to hear so much during undergrad. And like, like Anthony was saying, we had so many conversations. I remember calling him during one time literally crying and being like i don't think i would have be experience experiencing this if i were anything other than a black woman and it's just it was so disheartening and it really like beats down on you sometimes and you know it's amazing to have friends who are there every step of the way to say no like don't think about it that way and like you are meant to be who you are and you are special in your all your own unique ways and dr golden i actually have a question for you in regards to that because being a black woman within your field, have you ever experienced the effects of intersectionality by not only being a woman, but also an African-American woman? Oh, it's exhausting sometimes. Like it is, and I completely agree with Dr. Lay. You, you have to own your blackness. You have to own your womanness, your feminine. You just have to own all those things because you're literally the one person who can do you, you do you. You're the only person in control of that. Now, given credit, and he, Dr. Lake, of course, could probably speak to this, it's like the older I get, the easier that is, and the less I care what you think. Like I, at this point, do not care. Like I'm gonna do the things that I can do as the person I am to the nth degree. And it was harder to do that at a younger age because I was always questioning, is it me or is it this? The answer, I'm just going to like tell you, Lauren, it's this. <laughs> it's not you. It is the system. It is the thing. So it's exhausting. It is infuriating. It's all the words that you can use to put anger on the table. But my response is going to be to push back right against it because I know full well that what I can do is going to be the best result. And, you know, everybody else can deal with that. Everybody else can live with that because it's, we're at the point of this needs to stop being an issue for black women, for any women, but especially black women, because we're the ones in the world that take a lot of the, um, I can't even think of a word to describe it right now. Like, and it's not like a, it's these uncomfortable situations, you know, where like the microaggressions, like the people who want to talk to you, like you're in a meeting setting, but somehow, some way, magically, they want to talk to you about your hair that day. Oh, your hair looks good. Mm -hmm. Okay. Or these make me so mad every time that 
like, do not tell me I'm well-spoken. Oh, my gosh. Do not tell me I'm articulate. Do not tell me I'm eloquent. At this point in my life, I may come across the table at you. My eloquence may get checked. And my other side, once I switch codes, might come across the table at you. Just like, what is, so what are you trying to say? You're surprised by the fact that I can complete a sentence? What, like, what, 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 right? See, I'm getting mad just here talking about it. Like, really? It is 2021. Let me help you fix that. And also, say my name right. I need you to figure that out too. Like the whole Kamala versus Kamala thing almost made me lose my mind. Like, let me help you fix that. Just say Madam Vice President at this point, right? That'll fix that. Y'all just sent me to a place, I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's exhausting. But my, literally my answer at this point is like, like I said, well, let me help you fix that with this look on my face. Well, let me help you with that. Two things. He's going to fall out of this. <laughs> he just, he just experienced this recently. So two things. First thing, <laughs> like, I, it's exhausting. It's maddening. It's like, I just can't get my head around why it has to be that way. But again, let me help you fix that. Lauren, did I even answer your question? I mean, I feel like I went on the angry train halfway through that. You, like you, you did that, yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but you, you all go through your life and you take up your rightful space. Like, you know, I'm, I've been reading Dr. Lake's sweatshirt over and over through this, this, this recording session, and it's just kind of like. Yes, we are. We are. And there is no greater way to honor all the things that they did to set us on this path than to do the thing I just described. Like sometimes I do it and I hear my mother's voice and that makes me happy, you know, but it's just take up your space. Take up your space. I'm going to shut up now so we can move on. No, I, I love it. And, you know, I recently... I mean, imposter syndrome is something that's really personal to me, and I think it's personal to a lot of people. Um, and it's something that I've talked to the boys both about so many times, and I've experienced it, and I still fight with it to this day, especially during these, uh, during COVID right now, and feeling as if I'm, am I doing enough compared to other people? Am I really supposed to be here and all these things? And it's so hard, and it's exactly what both of you have been saying, like, when you walk into a room and you don't see a lot of yourself, it's so easy to be like, do I belong here? And it's something I was warned about before I left for college. Like you may walk into your ensembles, you may walk into your studio, you may walk into your classroom and you may be the only black person in there. And it was there, it was a thing. It was absolutely a thing. And it's something I had to get comfortable with. And I don't like that I had to get comfortable with that because I shouldn't have to have gotten comfortable to being the only person who looked like me within that setting. And I'll stop because I know Mike has a question, but I appreciate both of your, your words uh, for that. Actually, if I could say one more thing, one of my, my favorite, men, one of my favorite mentors in the world, I call him teacher boss, Dr. Kevin Tedekoff. 
one of one of the one of the most awesome things he's ever said to us as a graduate studio and it and this hit me in just like the best possible way like in a setting especially in an interview setting they the people interviewing you or in that setting that you just walked into should never be able to picture that setting again without you in it so take up your place Take up your space, say what you mean and say the things that are important to you, that are meaningful to you, that are a part of who you are, so that when you leave that room, it's like, oh, we need to give this job to this person because they are qualified and they're all this and just take up that space. That is, I think, one of my favorite things he's ever told us. And he probably wouldn't remember even telling us that, but he did. It's like your job is to do what you do to the best of your ability so that they cannot imagine anyone else in this space but you. You are your own brand. I'm just gonna tag, like, tag that on. Like You mm-hmm. are your own brand. And there's only one you, that's one thing that Dr. Golden said, but like, there's only one person who can run a rehearsal like you do. There's only one person who can you know, conduct the way that you do. And so stand in that space because as artists, that's what's exciting for us. Something that's different and evolving. Unfortunately, education, the system has wanted conformity to a sense of likeness, which is why we have half the problems we have now. But I encourage each of you to be uniquely you because that's how you make money. That's how you get asked to come and speak four times a week on Zoom call because you're you. You're not trying to be somebody else, you know, and and to stand in you. Um, I, I just recently started a organization that's in its infancy called ICU. And basically it's about um, encouraging black, uh, indigenous people of color, students of color um, to, like we're working on teaching the, the hidden curriculum, creating a space where people belong, that we're actively doing the work, s- assigning people mentors with unique intersections who they are, creating a space where it's like, I see you and you see me. Like, and, and we're affirming that we belong here together. Like my goal is that you will never run into a space that's musically, um, uh, where music is a spark of all the people, whether it's Midwest or whether it's CBD Nay or whether it's, but you'll instantly be able to see like, oh, I know you and and getting to know each other. That if I see another black person that I don't like, you know, hurry up and get on my phone and run the opposite way. No, I see you. Like, let's have a conversation. Let me affirm like, hey, what are you, how can I help you? You know, let, how can I give you, you know, some pointers or talk about a situation or a problem, you know, like, but be an advocate for your existence. And so, um, shameless plug, but, um, that's, that's what I think what we're talking about in all of this is, is really creating spaces where you belong. And that is, that, that's an awesome organization. I don't know if y'all noticed this, but I've been taking notes because I'm, learning as we do that's one thing i like why we started the podcast together is to learn as we do something for me i grew up in middle georgia rural middle georgia so coming to kennesaw which right above atlanta was a huge culture shock and as lauren and anthony know 
they didn't have to teach me, but they opened my eyes to make myself want to learn more about just everything. And just having them in my life made me want to be a better person, made me want to be more inclusive, more diverse in my education and stuff. And one thing I have to ask for you is for people like me or people who want to be like me and want to encourage everybody, how can we be diverse but not token people, not token this thing, this subject? Because that almost, I feel like, starts to be in a reverse of what we're trying to do is when we start to token an idea, token this person or this idea in our own teaching and education. I think it's about relationships. Like forge meaningful, sincere relationships. And that spans everything. Regardless if it's people and your friend circle or if it's repertoire that you've selected for a concert. Build a relationship. And when I, 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 I've made this comment, we cannot treat diversity like we do Tinder. Okay, we friends now. Let's go on a date now. Like, no. Like, and this is the, that's the, I've watered that down on what that, where that could go. Like, but that, that's just real. Like, you have to build relationships. I've got to get to know you. I've got to get to, I, I need to sit down and see you for you and not impose myself on that. If you make your macaroni and cheese this way, okay, I guess this is how we're going to eat this macaroni and cheese. You know, instead of telling you, no, here goes the recipe. Or can you quickly give me the recipe so I can cook it myself so I can understand how to make, no. Like there's so much more about why do you cook it that way? Well, who taught you how to do that? You know, or, or, is this your family recipe? From who? Where do they live? So immediately then we've expanded this to meaningful relationships beyond, oh, I need a black person piece for this upcoming concert. Okay, let me go to the composer diversity database. Let me click black. Okay, we'll do male. Okay, we've got Omar Thomas. All right. Come Sunday. All right, you all, let's order the piece and we'll put it on for rehearsal next week. You haven't done the work. Ayala Van Zandt, I love her. Baby, you got to do the work. So that means just as if I were conducting one of the Mozart serenades and I would go find all of my treatises on classical ornamentation and how it should be used and I'm going to listen to a whole bunch of other Mozartian inspired, you know, works or works written by Mozart and, and, and get inside, you know, Boeing's, you know, during that time, because that's where articulation lives and then start listening to vocal works. And then after I've done that, then I go find period uh, practice instruments, like playing the piece to kind of hear the style, get inside of it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then I go find six recordings and listen to those and then pick out what I like, what I don't like, where did they get it right, where did they get it wrong, and then have my first rehearsal. So if I'm doing Omar Thomas's Come Sunday, and I've used this straightforward, but it's just real, that everyone loved, but if you are performing that piece and you have not sat in a black church worship experience, you ain't got no business playing the piece. You don't. You don't. 
But Dr. Lake, there aren't any black churches, you know, in the area. You too. And sit through the whole service. Or Dr. Lake, you know, it's a little uncomfortable. Um, you know, are they going to think I'm weird? White person going into a black church, et cetera, et cetera. Sit in the uncomfortability. You need to feel that. Like, that, that's just it. And so, like, that's when it becomes tokenism, Michael. When I want to speed date my way through diversity as opposed to truly sitting. And it means I've got to listen to the stuff I want to listen from Aris. And I got to listen to the stuff that makes me uncomfortable. And I have to accept her truth. I just had to write, write down speed date my way through diversity. I just had to write that down because that's perfect. You know, like, and there's not much that I can add to what he just said, but I would say the following, like if you, and this is just a repertoire thing, if you find yourself leaning toward the idea of doing an evening of women composers, an evening of female composers, think about that. Think about that, as Bob Duke would say, a lot. Think about that a lot. Because that that's kind of, that's just straight up tokenizing. And you have like, to share this knowledge, right, Aris, with your students. So if I'm doing all this research and I'm finding G.E. Patterson and I'm, you know, oh my gosh, I need to learn, you know, see this Hammond organ thing. Let me find Corey Henry and like see how it's used in practice or whatever. Then we have to teach it to our students and our audiences. That's the other dumb thing that I just don't get is why do we perform this music and that we, the knowledge is sort of like, if you know, you're in the know. If you don't know, read it in the program notes. No, like there's so many, I was, I was just talking to my mentee today at school X unnamed. They were playing Omar Thomas's of our new day begun. He said, but they never talked about why the song was significant. They brought in someone who was black, who didn't even know the words themselves. You know, he said it was almost comical. And I go, but it's just good. Good teaching is going to require you to pull over and stop. Because you can't champion the art and not the voice of the artist behind it. Well, and quite literally the opposite of that. When my colleague David Thornton did that piece, Omar Thomas actually visited with us. Mm. He worked with the band and he talked to the students. And then Omar introduced the piece on the concert. I have never heard an auditorium that still and that quiet to start a piece of music. Because he told the story and he told the why and he told the how and all of the things that made that piece come into existence and why he did it in the way that he did it. And it's just like, it didn't suck the air out of the auditorium, but it put everybody in such a reverent and prepared place that that piece took on like an energy different than it probably would have in any other setting. Mm -hmm. And if we don't provide those opportunities, spaces, like events, whatever term you want to use, mm -hmm. think about what we're depriving 
everybody who's in that setting up from the performers on the stage to us as the conductor to the audience to the the guy running the lights in the back of the auditorium like we're de we're depriving them of the true nature of what that music means and what it means to people playing it or involved in it all the things and the same is true for come sunday like if you don't understand where that music came from it's no longer come sunday it it, it is not it's just not. And so, Michael, just to keep this last little tidbit, is is we, we're talking about lifting the voices and the experiences behind the art. And whether that is that you do it yourself as an educator through your own research and finding it, or if you were dealing with living voices that are here, there's no excuse now for us not to have diverse voices speaking in our educational spaces, right? Even when we're back in person at some point in time, still Zoom is a resource, Skype is a resource, and if there's blocks in your own understanding, you call up someone to talk about that. You know, you if I can't teach, I, I, I can't teach femininity, I can't. I mean, I could, I can do research, but like, why not call up Aris? And have her talk from point blank source like this is my experience and at the what you're doing is you're lifting diverse voices into the pedagogy and and into the teaching space such that it's authentic you know and it doesn't mean that rs or or anyone has to be like the spokesperson for all women but it's like okay here goes here, here go. This is what these voices really think, because the question is, who's writing the history? Because once you get into that space, it can have a tinge of all different kind of things that are right or wrong. Like I read so many music education articles now about diversity, and I get to the conclusion aspect, and I read and I go, you missed the whole thing. It's because it's outside of the data. You're, you're missing the experience that could change the conclusion completely. And that's why it's so important for us to lift other voices, um, regardless if they have a doctorate degree or not. You know, uh, that's, just, that's just crucial. Wow. Wow. Um, so that brings us to my, the last question, then we'll get into the game. Um, I just want to know what is a piece of advice that you would give a black uh, POC musician? Um, what is some advice that you would give them to continue to go ahead through higher ed, get that conducting degree? Because right now that is where I am because I know I want to go back. What would be some advice that you would give to a black musician that is thinking about it? I would argue for the following. But, and of course, because this is how I kind of did it and it worked and I feel good about how it worked for me. Please take the time and the care to research the people that you are interested in studying with. Make sure that you are not figuring out who they are when you get started on your first semester. So that means know who they are, take the time to find out about them as people, take the time to work with them in spaces. If you can find them available doing 
a symposium or you can take the time to go to their rehearsal and go to their campus. However, you can get there and have some conversations and interact with that person. It took me until 2011 to find the person that I eventually ended up studying with. And the reason that I studied with him, they're multiple, like, and not e the first one's not even how he goes after music, because if you sit in one of his rehearsals, it's just kind of like, how did that man just get that band to do that without ever saying a word? I won't be able to do that. I'm going to figure this out. It's not even that. It's the fact that he was able to sit down with me as a human being and have a conversation to figure out where I was coming from and where I wanted to go, period. And it's like, well, yeah, like if this person's gonna be the one that's gonna be training me to do X, Y, Z or working with me to do X, Y, Z and then support me through my career, I'm good with that. He's that person. I would argue that not everybody does that and it doesn't always end well. Do that thing. The research is worth it. And if it takes you a year or two longer than you want it to, it's probably worth that. Because what you don't want to do is end up in a space where you figure out again and process that this person is not for you. That's really good. Because uh, that's a really, I mean, that person is so critically important to, I mean, if you're going to go into higher education, that person is one of your recommenders until they don't exist on the face of the planet. And that's a long-term relationship. Um, my advice is, I got two things. One, your success and what you need for that success is already inside of you. You are more than enough. That's one. Doesn't mean that you won't fail. You know what I mean? Because you're, you're working to getting that version of self outside of you. But at no point in time should you feel that though you aren't being yourself. You're just becoming a deeper version of yourself. Because let's be honest with you. Conducting, I don't know if it's like this for the people that play instruments or in the performance area. It is so much inside the fabric of your identity, who you are, what you believe, what you hear, what you think, how you move, how you exist. That that is such a vulnerable space. And that's why you need a mentor who understands the vulnerability of that space. So I was glad, I was gracious to have mentors who who allowed me to figure those things out um, about who I was and and championed who I was. Um, I, I think that's that's absolutely critical. Um, second means of advice. Um, realize that knowledge is limitless, and don't be confined to any curriculum or anyone's perspective on what's important. Um, that's just really crucial, is, 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 is allow yourself to be more than. 
and hunger to be more than um, because that actually is what makes you unique. And that's what makes you come to the table with certain skills and assets where, you know, if you need a gospel choir, I got you. Which key you want to be put in? Like, I, there's very few people in our area that can do that. And um, it, they, again, as I said before, it's really an asset. It really, really is an asset. Wow. Well, thank you so much. First of all, I, I'm just going to speak for all of us. The knowledge that we have just received from both of you in this last hour is just so much, so much. And things that we are going to take with us for ever and throughout our whole career. So thank you so much for all of this that you just given us today. Thank it's, you. And we're going to hold you all accountable. Yes. Like, that's who he, I am. He, he like, beat me to it. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> hey, man, come on. Uh, See, listen, because y'all, y'all don't realize is now that you've done this to yourselves, mm-hmm. like we'll circle back yes. to use that phrase that's in the air these days. We'll circle back, okay? Not in a bad way. Oh, I didn't promise. I said that. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord! Oh my lord! It really is a village. Like I, I truly believe that, and so seeing what God has allowed the space of what I've learned or experienced and experiencing, like I, I realized I have to give that away. Like I have to give that like uh, without reservation and it's up to you what you do with it, but I'm supposed to give it out. So absolutely. We're coming for you. All right. Well, we'll be here. We'll be here. You, you say that now, Anthony. Mm-hmm. I will. And you know, I'll be all around. So I'm definitely going to run into all of you when COVID is over. So, and I well, will be. You heard him all. say that. You heard him say that. Yes. It's oh, yes. Oh, okay. yes. Um, so we have a game for y'all. Um, I hope you're up on your win literature. Um, so I'm going to play uh, about 10 seconds of a song and then we'll see which one get it first. Um, and then we'll, we're, we're competing. Oh my god! <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Like, so. Do you have your phone near you? <laughs> no, it's all the way over here. No, it's, no it's cheating. It won't be. It won't be even fast enough, right? Like, yeah. Good resources. Good resources, but I think I think y'all will get it. I think y'all get it. So here's our first song. Oh, yeah, okay. Great piece. And then you can say it whenever, whenever She took a long time to get down that aisle, didn't she, RS? <laughs> See, it's Ooh. terrible under pressure because I'm getting older. I blame my age. It's like, oh, I know that. And I'm going. <laughs> uh, William Lake Jr., what's the title? Elsa's procession to the cathedral. Yes. Said this is gonna be my wedding song, so I guess I'm gonna take seven minutes and fifty-two seconds. Listen, we don't have that time. <laughs> I'm trying to get to the open bar. We do not Amen. have that time. Amen to that. <laughs> right. I've invited myself, so all right. Know, just tell me what colors I need. I'm there, but we are not waiting for you with all that music. We are not. You oh, watch Ash be going behind you out the door and double time. Processing. Like later, Gator. Nothing like back. Oh, All right, so here's our second song. Oh, 
people do this piece before the um, uh, pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. Title. I, need go, I need to go back and do more learning titles again because this is like, oh. I know that piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I haven't done it. Anthony Bearfield's Here We Rest. Yes, absolutely. I love that piece. Love that piece. That I don't love. like y'all anymore right now. That was love. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, all right. No, you're not. No, you're not. I am. I really am. Truly, I am. No, but what? But what? But see, look at what Dr. Golden is doing. She just wrote it down. <laughs> just wrote it down. Yes. See, um, absolutely. Knowledge is out there. It's limited. Like, I know I've heard this. What is it? It's so annoying. Right. I'll get old one day. I'll be waiting on you. <laughs> okay. Um, here's our third song. I'll give you this one. The question becomes, is it version A or version B? Oh, Ooh. Mm. Ooh. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's a valid question. Is it version A or version B? That is a valid question. Whichever one Dallas Wind Symphony did, that is the version. <laughs> Professor Duncan, could you please inform us? Yes. What is <laughs> the pork stove you did on this solo? Do uh, I? This one who has a solo? It started on it started on a C, so I think wasn't was that a B? I had I just had to do that one. I think that was version B. Oh, all right, come on, Miss Lucas, we love to see it. <laughs> all right, our next song, next song, we have two more. Any guesses? I don't have this one. I guess. Go ahead and tell us. Just go ahead. Oh, but Winds of Nagual. Winds of Nagual. My favorite piece. The first movement. Look wow. at Dr. Golden. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Winds of Nagual, first movement. Yes. <clears throat> All right. So. I like, we have two more, and then it'll be really Two good. more, oh my god. I think y'all should get the last two, I hope. Okay, we'll see. should have gotten the first three. They're never, they're never definitely got the last one. But you know what? Actually, I've only heard Winds of Nagual once, maybe? Literally, on my news feed, in my memories, the picture that I took of, of my teacher boss doing it two years ago popped up the other day. Oh, see, that's different. All right. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. All right. Here's our next one. Hateful. <laughs> oh, yeah. Any guesses? Oh, I know it. Let the church say, Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Carlos Simon. Actually, it's really cool story background. Um, I um, am friends with Carlos, and so mm -hmm. I was privy to like the drafts of the piece before it even became what it was. And so um, we had a conversation. And I was like, dude, you've got to actually write this. So it's sort of like symphonies of winds, where it's like a ritualistic experience that you go mm -hmm. through it. And he was like, gotcha. And so um, that's sort of what that became. 
Yes. I love that piece. Love that piece. And then our last song, our last song, I'm going to go about right here. Let's see. I know y'all got it. I know y'all got it. Lines of the Appian Way. Look at you. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I love that. I love, love, love that piece as well. I love all those. But first but of all, that, thank you. Huh? The one that, what is it? The uh, Pines of the, was it Janiculum? Am I saying that correctly? That has the birds in it. The has birds. The oh, that is such, ugh. That might be my favorite movement, though you cannot deny the Appian Way. Like that right, is just right. right. Uh, that Pines of Rome is uh, such a good piece. Such a good piece. Um, well, thank y'all for playing our little game we had here, and I'm also so sad that we didn't get a hundred percent. I'm sorry. Like I'm not okay. <laughs> well, you did better than I did. Like, oh, I've heard this. I have no idea what the title is, but I've heard this. Well, look. How about? Y'all come back, and then we'll play a part two, and then maybe we'll get 100% there. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Okay. I, I will send an invite. I will send an invite. She gonna study. She gonna study. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, first of all, thank y'all so, so, thank so you. much for doing thank this. Thank you so much. It so much. All right. Thank you, and uh, please, please, the episode will be out. Uh, for everybody listening, Please stay tuned to Rose to Pitch. We'll have some great things coming up in the rest of Black History Month. Have a good one. Bye, y'all. Bye. Thank you for being a part of our conversation. You can learn more and reach out to us at relativepitchpodcast.com. Remember to subscribe to our listening platforms and follow us on our social media. See you next time.